according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he has given thee. The Lord said, when you come, don't come empty-handed. Now, you know my feelings. I've shared this enough. I don't like specific amounts for a broad range of people because right here the Lord knows. For some, for some in their case, you know, a, a lamb would be way too much for them. But you, whatever you came in here today, I want to encourage you, don't come before the Lord empty-handed. You may not be able to give a $1,000 offering. That's all right. But don't come empty-handed. If you've got to come with a dollar, if you've got to come with 50 cents, you know what it is. I, everywhere I read in the Scripture, when it comes to finance and giving, the Lord deals in percentages because He knows what you have and what I have. And He's not looking at, He's looking at us as individuals. And so I want to encourage you today as you give. You'll see on the screen, text to give, go online, however you want to give, give in person, or ushers if they'll come. We're going to receive our offering again. This is our regular tithes and offerings. We're going to receive a, a special offering at the conclusion of the service. This is our regular tithes and offerings. I want to encourage you. Don't come to the Lord empty-handed. You know, you know how the Lord has blessed you. That scripture said how the Lord has blessed you. That's how you give. Pray with me if you would. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, this place is just saturated in your presence here today. And Lord, as we, as, if we have worshipped you, we've worshipped you and going to continue to worship you in song. Lord, we're going to go to the word in just a few moments. But Lord, we take this time. And as your word tells us, we don't come empty-handed before you. Lord, whatever, according to the blessing that you've given to us, that's what we're coming with. So, Father, I pray as a pastor of this congregation, Lord, I pray your blessings over each and every person here today in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you bless their checking accounts, their savings accounts, their retirement accounts, oh, Lord. I pray for raises and promotions. Lord, I know. I know what's going on. I know the price of gas, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you would just provide for your people, oh God, however you want to do it, oh Lord. I know there's worry. I know there's fear. That's, that's natural human parts of us, oh God, that we, we worry about those things. But I just believe you today that you're going to provide for your people. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. So I pray for supply and increase right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless the church, God. Bless the finances of our church, God. I continue to believe you, God, that you're going to provide, Lord, an abundant supply to do the work that you've called us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give us unto the Lord. Be one verse, and I'm gonna let, we're going to pray, and I'm going to let you be seated. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. If y'all could give me a little bit of monitor up here, I would appreciate it very much. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6 says this. Well, no, I'm not going to rush you. I'm glad to hear pages turning. There we go. Thank y'all so much. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. I'm going to read to you from the King James this morning. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. If you got it, would you say amen? But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, Pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I want to preach to you on the subject this morning. What have I done 
with prayer. Would you stretch your hands toward me as I do the same for you? And let's pray for one another right now. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice right now. God, those in this room, those that are watching online, those that are listening by podcast, I pray that you'd open every heart, every mind and spirit, Lord. I pray that the word of God would go forth. Jesus, you told the parable that it's seed, oh Lord. And I pray that that seed would fall onto good ground today in the name of Jesus Christ and would bring forth a multiplied harvest. And Lord, I ask that you would help me today. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary, Lord, to do what you've called me to do. God, hide me behind the shadow of the cross, Lord. Let me preach like a man from another world, oh God. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name I pray and everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. It is the last Sunday of the month, and so the kids are in here with us uh, this morning. And I'll take this opportunity just to remind you, if anybody would like to help with Children's Church, Patricia, wave your hand at this morning. And uh, we are always welcome to those that would help and uh, volunteer with Children's Church. We have got a great group of kids in our church thankful for the future of Starkville Church of God. Amen? Amen. What have I done with prayer? I told you last week that as we're approaching Pentecost Sunday, which is next Sunday, uh, you know, uh, last week, uh, last week I gave you, and I, some of you I think may have panicked for a moment, but I was true to my word, and we got through it in normal time. I gave you ten points last week. I've only got three this week, uh, but you know, you really can as we're as we're looking in the world today and we're seeing what is happening. And uh, the, the insanity, the violence, the craziness that is going on in our world today. And, and we are, we're seeking, we're seeking for answers. This world is seeking for answers in such a, a desperate way. I believe that the only way that we are going to have the answer and we're going to have Pentecost, I believe that we've got to once again learn to pray. It's been a point that, that we have been doing. We've been talking about this in our prayer meetings on Tuesday. Uh, we must pray. Can I just tell you this? I'm a, this is not even in my notes, but I'm going to just throw this out here to you. And you can like it or you can lump it, whichever one you want to do. I truly don't believe you can be a Christian and not pray. I don't think you can truly be a Christian and not pray. The question in this title today is not, what place did prayer have in the life of our Savior? The question that I'm posing to us this morning is not, what place did prayer have in the lives of early Christians? The question that I'm posing this morning is not, what place is given to prayer in the contemporary church? The question that I'm asking this morning is not, what place did prayer have in the habits of our parents or our grandparents or our forefathers? But this morning, I want us to take a moment, and I want us to make this question personal. You know how we preachers are sometimes, and we'll say, turn to your neighbor or all that kind of stuff. I don't want you to turn to anybody right this second. This question is for us personally. What have I done with the privilege of prayer? 
I do want you to just take a moment and ask yourself that. You can say it out loud or you can say it in your heart. But I want you to just, in fact, would you just close your eyes for just a moment and just shut out everybody and everything else because I told you this is not about anybody else but you right now. For, for just a moment as your eyes are closed, would you just begin to ask, what have I done with prayer? Have I taken advantage of this great privilege that we have of prayer? Have, or have I neglected this great privilege called prayer? You can look at me if you would. I told you I'd only have three things for you this morning. The first is this. We asked this question. Have I misunderstood the nature of prayer? Sadly, a lot of people that grace the pews or the chairs or whatever is in our churches nowadays, many don't even truly understand what the nature of prayer is. You see, they neglect to pray because they, they don't understand the nature of this privilege that God has given to us. And I remind you today that prayer is a privilege. Now, one of the books that we read in Lee in one of my classes, it was, it was written by a Quaker. And uh, it's about the celebration of discipline. And truly enough that there does come a point in time in our lives and in our walk with God that prayer is truly a discipline also. There are times when prayer is a discipline. There are times when we don't feel like praying. There are times when we don't want to pray. There are times when we'd rather be doing 500 other things besides praying. And yes, sometimes prayer is a discipline. But all in all, we've always got to come back to the realization that prayer should not just be something that we dread and prayer should not be something that we don't want to do. And though, yes, there are times where it is discipline, prayer is truly one of the greatest privileges that any, any human being could ever have. Prayer should not be considered as a mechanical, magical means whereby we can secure the favor of deity. You know, my girls were watching, uh, as they're out of school, uh, they were watching uh, Aladdin the other day. Come on, how many of y'all y'all watched Aladdin before? Y'all know, and I don't have to tell you what happens in Aladdin, like many other things, genies in a, in a lamp, and you know, Aladdin, what happens there? He finds the lamp, and he does what? He rubs the lamp, and he gets three different wishes that he can have given to him by a genie. Can I just tell you this morning that prayer is not a magical lamp that you magically rub and God gives you three wishes. No, it is not that. Nor is it a begging proposition in which we persuade God to give us something against his will. Now, I'm not going to embarrass them too much, but I'm glad that my parents came this morning. And, of course, they are all the way on the back row this morning. But I can remember as a child that there were times that I might want something, that I wanted them to allow me to do something or go somewhere, and it went into a begging proposition to try to change their mind about what they have already decided about 
me and what I will or will not do or can or cannot have. But can I tell you that this, that prayer is not that begging proposition where we're just trying to change God's mind and persuade him to give us something that is against his will. Prayer is not a reminder to the eternal God of something that he has been neglecting to do. I forget stuff. Anybody ever forget stuff before? (laughs) I live, I live by a calendar anymore. We've got so much. I, I was trying to make an appointment the other day, and especially in June with everything that's going on. And our girls, you know, they're involved now. And Jaden is on the dance team. And Molly Kate is a cheerleader. And got the football schedule. And putting all that on the calendar. All the different responsibilities that we have. Let me just tell you, if I don't put it on my Google calendar, if I don't write it down, if I, I will end up forgetting something if I'm not careful. I've forgotten. I have, unfortunately, I've forgotten important things sometimes. I won't ever forget One of the things that I probably felt the worst about in my entire life is when we were in Pastern in in Illinois for the very first time. And there was a little girl. She had been coming with uh, some friends, and I'd never met her parents before, but she had come in. And, and one Sunday, she comes running in, and uh, uh, she, she, I think, in going out the Sunday before, she was like, Pastor, I want to be baptized. Can I get baptized next week, next week? And I'm like, sure, honey, we baptize you next week. And that's the last time I thought about that until the next Sunday when she shows up, and they're coming in. And she said, these are my parents, and they've come to church to see me get baptized today. And I was like, well, I'm excited about that. (laughs) And what did I do? I told, I think Jamie was leading worship at the time. I was like, you got to stall you, or you get things going. And I ran back there and I turned that baptistry water on and it filled while we were singing and it filled while I was preaching. And brothers and sisters, can I tell you what? I When we pastored our first church in Maryville, Tennessee, we didn't have a baptistry in the church. And the first baptism I did as a pastor was out there in one of those creeks coming out of the mountains. And that was cold. Well, let me just tell you, it didn't have nothing on that Illinois water out of the ground. And we stepped into that baptistry and I was like, whoa! And that little girl, I took her in there and I baptized her. And when she came out of that water, I don't think it was the Holy Ghost, but she was shouting because she was in shock from that cold water. (laughs) I tell you this to say, as bad as I hate it, Sometimes I forget things, but can I tell you, prayer is not a reminder to God. God did not forget when you ask him for something, and because he's so old and absent-minded, he's forgot. Prayer is not reminding God of something he's been neglecting to do. Prayer must not be considered a carte blanche in which God has promised to grant us anything that we wish. In fact, when you really begin to study about prayer, prayer I can't get too much ahead of myself here. Prayer must not be utilized. Some of y'all, some of y'all are going to get mad at me. I don't know, but just hold on. Prayer must not be utilized as one would utilize a parachute to escape from a difficult situation in life. Now, 
I have, I mean, I'm, I'm not a jet setter by any means, but in my 42 years, I've taken several flights, and none of those flights have I ever had to use a parachute, thank the Lord. You know, and I'm not saying, anybody ever skydived before? Anybody used a parachute? Anybody in this building ever jumped out of a plane with a parachute? No, nobody in here. I'm not even saying I wouldn't. I might do it. I don't know one day. Who knows if I would do that or not. But in all of the times that I've flown, I've never had to use a parachute. And a parachute, most of the time in those cases, is for emergency situations. The unfortunate thing is that a lot of people use prayer like a parachute. The plane's going down. All the you don't they don't pray, they don't come to church, they have nothing to do with God while everything's going good until things start falling apart around them. Until they get a doctor's uh, diagnosis that isn't good. Until they get a, a, a something from work. Until they get their pink slip. Or until something's going wrong in their child or grandchild's life. And now suddenly prayer becomes important. Can I tell you that prayer is not made to be just your parachute that is only used in emergency situations. Prayer is an experience of communion and fellowship with the loving Heavenly Father. It is a conference with our Creator. It is a conversation between Father God and His children. It is an experience in which we lay claim to our heritage as the children of God. Secondly, today, in this question of what have I done with prayer, have I recognized the real value of prayer. And I before I get any deeper into that, I think it's pretty safe to say that just about every one of us at times do not recognize the real value of prayer. Because there is nothing on this planet more powerful than prayer. A genuine experience of prayer brings one into harmony with God's gracious will. It is a process in which we eliminate the discord and noises of life and get in tune with God. So I told you I didn't want to get too ahead of myself just a second ago. And because it's not about this is a wish list that I have or a genie in a bottle to give these stuff. No, prayer is about more than that. Yes, we can ask him, but I want to tell you what prayer is more about. Prayer is more about bringing ourselves into the alignment of his will. Prayer is not about changing God because God never changes. Jesus Christ the same day and forever. Prayer's not going to change God. God's always the same. But what prayer really needs to change is this old boy right here. He needs to bring me and my mind and my emotions and everything about me. He needs to bring me into an alignment with his word and his will. And the best way for that to happen is prayer. A true experience of prayer brings one an awareness of God's abiding presence. You see, when we pray, and I know that there's times that it's not always like that, but listen, most of the time, just about every time we go into a time of prayer, it is in those moments that you realize how close the Lord is in that moment. In the prayer experience, God lets His power flow into our lives. 
It has been said that there are three ways by which people can cooperate with God. They can work, think, and pray. There are times when we need the power from God to be able to say no to some of the great alternatives of life. And there are other times where we need the courage and fortitude to say yes. And at other times we need the power of God to face the future with steady eyes. If we've ever been in a time like that, it's it's this time right now. I know where we're at. I see where we're at. And the only way that we're going to get the power is through prayer. The only way that we're going to make, I don't know exactly what the future holds. Yes, I know ultimately I've studied the scriptures and I know what the book of Revelation says, what the book of Daniel says. I know ultimately how it's going to wrap up. I don't know, but I don't know everything exactly, exactly how it's going to go. I don't know if gas is going to keep on going up. Is it going to reach $8 a gallon? Is it going to go back down? Is inflation going to go down? Are we going to, are we running out of food? Are we not running out of food? I don't really know, but one thing I do know is I I've got to get myself in alignment with God in prayer. And when I find myself in His presence and allow Him to come down and fill me, it is then and there that I can look at the future in confidence because I know that no matter what happens in between here and there, that I am headed to where He has me going. I've got a destination called heaven. And He's going to take care of me along the way genuine experience of prayer brings peace of mind and relieves the agony of anxiety. I heard a lot of pages earlier, so I want you to turn in your Bibles. I want everybody to see this. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Because this is something that so many are facing right now. People are facing anxiety. How am I going to continue to fill my tank to get to work? How am I going to continue to afford groceries? How am I going to continue? What, how am I going to retire if the market keeps going down? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here we find the answer, the answer to anxiety when we are so distraught is to pray. Pray and ask the Lord and thanksgiving, what is that? While I'm praying for God to meet the need, I'm still thanking Him for what He's already blessed me with. We become so focused on what we don't have or the problems that are in front of us that we many times neglect to thank God for the blessings that we're currently walking in. We start getting all to God, how am I going to buy it? We're, drive, we're, we're driving down the road on a tank of gas, and we're like, God, I don't know how I'm ever going to buy another tank of gas. Well, God's done provided the one that you're driving in, so praise Him for that one while you're believing Him for the next one. 
I don't know, maybe this will maybe this will drive some folks to start blessing their food a little bit more. While you're eating the meal that you got right in front of you and you're worried about the next one, thank him. Thank him that you got some food to put in your belly right now that he provided and you're believing that he's going to continue to do it next. And when we do that in prayer, he said that and connects those two verses in verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So in other words, to make it through the anxiety, I'm praying. I'm praying, I'm thanking, I'm believing, and as I do that, God's going to give me peace. God, I thank you. Thank you for the food that I ate this morning. I'm praying that you're going to provide the very next meal. And as I'm waiting on that, I'm going to have the peace that passeth all understanding. You look at this world and you look what's going on, and it doesn't make any sense to have peace. If you just look at the news, it doesn't make any sense to have peace. But that's why it's the peace that passeth all understanding. When we find ourselves in prayer and we put our trust in God and thank Him and ask Him to continually be our provider, it is then and there that we can have the peace that doesn't make any any sense to anybody else brings peace thirdly and finally as we continue this thought what have I done with prayer we look at this how do we develop then a victorious prayer life how does one go about developing a deeper prayer life how can one enter into a deeper acquaintance with the eternal God? How can we experience what the songwriter wrote, that sweet hour of prayer? Well, I believe that first of all, we can study the prayer life of our Lord. The Gospels describe Jesus' prayer life. And we can profit greatly by following His example. If you read the Gospels, you will find very clearly Jesus Christ himself was a man of prayer. He was a man that made sure that he took time. He was heavily involved in ministry. He was heavily involved in helping others. He was God himself, the flesh, God, the word that took on flesh and dwelt among us. Yet, to him, it was still so important to make sure that he was pulling away at times and spending time with his father in prayer. You see, I don't believe it. If Jesus, if prayer was necessary for Jesus like it was, how much more necessary is it for you and I, church? How else can we develop a victorious prayer life? We can study our Lord's instructions concerning prayer. I preached a message on this uh, up in the youth and college last year sometimes. We looked at this a little closer Actually, what we call the Lord's Prayer is really not the Lord's Prayer, but it was the model that the Lord gave us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
You want to know how to pray? Listen, I'm going I'm to give it to you this simple right here because I know some people struggle with it. Some people say, well, Pastor, I don't even know how to start praying. I can tell you how to start. Take the Lord's Prayer and use that as your outline to pray. How else do we develop this? We can study the prayers that our Lord heard that did not answer affirmatively. I, I hate to tell you this, but when you study prayer, and you study what prayer is all about, we actually find that in the book of James, I believe it is, that people will not get their prayers answered when they pray selfishly just for their own lusts. Oh, man, that's no amens on that one. That's all right. But we are supposed to pray according to God's will. And you say, how do we pray? I've already kind of talked about that already, but here's how. How do we get into that? We want to pray, and we want our prayers to be answered. Well, in order to pray and get our prayers answered, we've got to pray in the will of God. How do you get in the will of God? I believe it's by praying. You say, there's no escaping prayer, folks. I'm telling you that. Again, I'll say it as I said it. I don't believe you could truly be a Christian and not pray. Prayer has got to be a part of your life because it's in prayer that prayer aligns us with the will of God and then in that alignment is when we then begin to pray according to the will of God. And we can profit by an examination of the prayer habits of early Christians. You know, we can, we can take, we just came through our 100th. We're still 122. This is still our 100th anniversary year. And we read about them, we study about how when this church started over at the cotton mill, how people just got so called so deeply in prayer that they would leave work. That's why, that's why the mill kicked us out of their building at one point. Because people were so desperate for prayer that they were leaving in the middle of work and going to the schoolhouse and praying. And they kicked us out. We can look at those that came before us and see the kind of desperation and the kind of priority that prayer held in the church before in those early Christians. We can learn much from studying the prayer life of outstanding Christians of the past and the present. I just want you to know today that it is God's will for you to have a prayer life. And it is God's will for you to have a greater prayer life than you ever have before. Stand with me if you will, please, all over the house. I told you that the process, the process of prayer, the process of prayer being answered is praying according to God's will. To find out God's will is when we pray, and I told you, how do you ever even start in that process? It's through this right here. I told you, start start with the Lord's Prayer. Start praying according to the will of God. Start praying like Jesus gave us the instruction. The, the disciples asked the Lord, how do we pray? And that's what Jesus gave them. I don't think I, I know good and well. I can't give you a better answer than Jesus gave. So if the question is, how do I pray? How do I learn to pray better? You get into the Lord's Prayer. You begin to pray according to the Lord's Prayer. And as you begin to pray that, then in those specific things, well, 
But God, the, the, the Lord's Prayer doesn't have anything to do with, with my job, whether I should take this job or not take this job, or He wants me to have it. No, not exactly and not specifically. But when you begin to pray and you begin to develop God's will and you begin to see that God will then speak to you, because let me say this, prayer is about way more than us doing all the blah blah prayer is also about us doing the listening listening to what God would say to us I want to encourage you to begin the habit of praying to start your day pray pray over your family I know sometimes I get on their nerves and they're not here so I can talk about them all I want. But my girls, before they go to school, used to, now I'm getting old, used to, as I was driving them to school, before I'd let them out of the car, I'd take their hands and pray over them. Now that Jaden's driving and driving them to school, then before they leave the house, I grab them and I pray over them. To start their day. I pray over my family. I pray over my wife. They may not know it. I pray over my parents, my sisters and brothers-in-laws and their children. Listen, if you develop, I'm trying, I'm trying to act like I'm so great and like I never don't get busy and my, my priorities get off and I get busy and crazy. I don't, but listen, I have, it's, can I step back and say one more time, it is the discipline of it at times. That you've got to every day determine, I'm going to begin my day with prayer. Develop the habit of praying in the evening. Thank Him for His presence. Thank Him for His blessings on you. Because you know what, no matter how bad of a day you've had, there's still a whole bunch of blessings, I guarantee you that we can thank Him for. For one thing, if you're still alive and breathing, <laughs> you've got something to thank Him for. I want to give you this as we look at what's going on in our world today. Rachel, if you'd put that on the screen. Pastor Barry Clardy, Pastor Princeton Pike, Church of God up in Hamilton, Ohio, shared this a week or two ago. 1962, when prayer was removed from our schools, I don't know if you can see that where you are in the building, but you'll see up on the top left that after 1962, dramatically violent crime began to go up. That after prayer was taken out of schools in 1962, top middle, single parent households began to increase. Top right, in 1962, you could see after prayer was taken out of schools, premarital sex began to rise. Bottom left, in 1962, you could see as prayer was taken out of schools, birth rates for unwed girls under 15 to 19 years of age began to skyrocket. And in 1962, after prayer was taken out of schools, SAT scores then began to go down. Don't you think for a minute that the devil ain't happy whenever prayer was taken out of our schools in this nation. I believe that there is great, great, great significance in prayer. 
Every Wednesday morning during the school year, I've become involved in a men's prayer group. Brother Alex invited me, and I went back in the fall and still was taking the girls to school. At that time, I just couldn't do it. But when Jaden got her license at the beginning of this year, I began to attend a men's prayer group. Chief Sammy Shoemaker, he was here last year or the week, or last Sunday or the Sunday before. I can't remember which one. Him and his wife were both here. He's the chief of police for the Starkville School District. And he had a burden to begin to get men together and pray at our schools. And I've been privileged over this past semester to be able to go and stand in front of our school. We went to, we went to every single school in our district. Let me tell you something. I believe God is stirring a revival of prayer. If revival's going to come, let me just say that if revival's going to come, then there's going to have to be more prayer. It's not going to just be that we just, you know, figure it all out and we sing enough or shout enough or even preach enough. We're going to have to start praying again. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. I want to tell you one of the greatest things that I believe that I'm seeing the Lord do is in that Wednesday morning prayer group. I'm, I'm amazed at what's going on in men in Starkville, Mississippi as we're praying. And as we see, we see kids coming into school, and we've had some stop and pray with us. We've had some, some teachers that have, as we split up, we go from our big group and we split up around the outside of the school, we've had teachers call groups in and say, please pray in my classroom. I'm up, not up here to do a stump speech on school safety. I've got my own opinions that I... I'm going to hold for right now on keeping our schools safer, some of the practical things. But I'm going to tell you, ain't nothing going to work if we don't pray. But the greatest defense for our schools and for our children is to pray. All around us, there were incidents at graduations. There were incidents, I can't think, West Point had one, maybe Louisville had one pastor friend of mine down in Louisiana somewhere. They had a shooting at their graduation down there. And let me just tell you, our men's group specifically prayed for Starkville High School graduation for no incidents. And we got a text in our text group Saturday morning after graduation Friday night. Praise the Lord. God was faithful. There were no incidents. There was no fights. There was no shootings. Are you saying nothing bad can ever happen? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that our greatest line of defense is prayer. Our greatest line of defense is prayer. The greatest way that we're going to see this nation turned around. They're not going to be able to make enough laws in Washington or Jackson. They're not going to come up with enough ordinances over at City Hall. The greatest way that we're going to see revival break forth when the church once again falls on her knees in prayer and begins to pray like we should. What have I done with prayer? 
I know I've given you some examples. Listen, I'm not trying to get up here and try to act like I'm all great and wonderful because I'm going to tell you, I need to pray more than I do. I'm just giving you examples of how I've seen the power of prayer work, and I know we've got to be praying. And I can't, nobody that can convince me I've come too far now. Nobody can convince me otherwise that prayer is not effective and that prayer is so necessary. We must learn to pray again. So here's my altar call. It's 1157. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I want the Lord to help me. And I want to become more of a prayer warrior than I've ever been before. I want the Lord to stir within me a desire for prayer like never before. Would you come and find a place and kneel in these altars? If you need to sit, that's okay. But if you will come and kneel all on these steps, on these altar benches, on these front pews. If you say, Pastor, I want the Lord to place within me a greater desire than ever before to pray. Would you come? Would you please come? I wish everybody in this room would come and say, Lord, place within me a greater desire than I've ever had before for prayer. I need to pray. We've got to pray for our nation. We 